Video gamers, sports fans, and nostalgia enthusiasts, are you ready for a Time Warp? Time Warp is a brick-and-mortar hobby shop with a huge selection of everything sports, gaming, and collectibles in downtown Ashland and two locations in the Ashland Town Center. They've got vintage toys, sports cards, and collectibles, tons of wrestling merch. It's the largest selection of memorabilia in the tri-state. Time Warp also has an extensive inventory of vintage and current video games and consoles. It's a 100% must-visit for retro gamers. Time Warp buys your collectibles daily and are open 7 days a week, 363 days a year. Only closed on Christmas and Thanksgiving. Check out their Facebook page at Time Warp Ashland. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell the Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now... Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B, Bobby Blaze. Hey, Jeremy, the professor. I'm just over here bearing Mary Ann, I guess. You know, we're just the others out here on this podcast land. But then one day, you're just a fat man sitting in your underwear recording a podcast. So you one day you're Arn's favorite enhancement talent, the next you're just like, where's that next check coming from? <laughs> well, you know, that, um, that, that sitting around in your underwear thing's got to be worth something over on Oli fans. Yeah, that's where I'm going to yeah. get my Oli fans going. That's right. So that'd be gotta, nice, man. I need to register to, that website before somebody else does. You you, know you should. You've yeah. mentioned it, made reference to it here several times. Yeah, I think uh, get one of them fan pages. Just you know, um, pale white legs, kind of like the like Dick Murdoch. You know yeah. that look. Um, <laughs> caught on your porch in the wintertime, drink some beer with a couple of hot looking chicks with your shirt off. You know, snowing. Did you see that promo? Uh, you know the one I'm referencing. No, I don't. Dick think Murdoch. It's oh, he sent one in from like Colorado to Smoky Mountain. Fucking snowing, and he's out there with no shirt on, drinking some quarter lighters. And he's got two young looking women sitting on him on a porch with like, you know, big house in Colorado somewhere. Just drinking beer, cutting a promo. Oh, I'm going to have to, I'll have to find it then. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. Oh, Bobby, I, I don't think you've been watching it, but I've been, I've been catching back up on the NWA here lately. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, I'm going to, I want to preface this. I'm still a big Trevor Murdoch fan. Yeah, but, but but guys, be careful how you show your champions because when I see fucking Trevor Murdoch facing off with Jax Dane and he's gassed just from getting in and out of the ring and throwing a couple elbows, it doesn't look good. And so mm, somebody yeah. somebody get him on a treadmill, please. <laughs> don't, I yeah. don't care about him losing weight; just get his cardio going. Jesus Christ, gotcha. Oh, gotcha. yeah. That was the only thing I was like, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I like this like retro thing they got going. Yeah. Like, he looks like a fucking, I mean, he's, he's there with a, you know, a, a Dick Slater, Dick Murdoch, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Um, but you can't have him facing down a fucking wall of muscle, like fucking Jack's Dane and, and looking visibly out of breath, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. It just, oh, it just broke my little heart to see that. <laughs> Oh man, what else you been watching? Anything? Um, you know what? Actually, so Micah was over the other night. We're trying to come now. Micah, uh, you and I have talked about this. He used to go and set up the ring. He's a smaller right. guy. He's a smaller guy. He always wanted to be a wrestler, but you know the the weight thing kind of made him go. Eh. So he's been watching a lot of wrestling lately. AEW's is is his jam. And he's been listening to our show and Jimmy Cornett's and a bunch of other uh, podcasts he's been listening to. And he's like, I'm kind of thinking, 
you know, I'm, I'm getting up there. Maybe, maybe I'll go ahead and call Bobby Hart. Who's a local guy here. He's like, you know, and see about getting into some training. And I'm like, yeah, dude, but you're, you're a buck 65 soaking wet. And so that night we were trying to figure out what to watch. I was like, Hey, let's, let's grab the first 10 minutes of a GCW show and just see what all the fucking buzz is. Right. Okay. So we grab GCW. It opens with a six man scrum. Okay. First off action. Mike Jackson was the sixth man. Okay. And he, he fucking whomped the shit out of these kids. Um, he was doing, he was, he was doing dives and fucking, he walked, oh, shit, he man. walked all awesome. four ropes. Yeah. But as the kids are coming out for this match, they're all like a buck 55, a buck 60. I'm like, yeah. Hey, Micah, you know, if you joined and got in with this company, you'd be like the biggest guy there. <laughs> oh, no. That there's there's smaller people, you know, like you said, a buck fifty, buck sixty five, man. They, you know. Um, oh yeah, I'm starting to think. If they six. can learn to work, is all it is. Get yeah. trained properly, and then half some of these kids out there nowadays don't get trained properly either. You know, they just well, fucking go out there and flip flop around. I think it's especially you know getting trained from the ground up to where you can do all the flying. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, there was a time I didn't, you know, I thought, well, you better be, you know, a 200 pounder at least you know yeah how you carry it how you carry it. you could be 180 and look 205 or 210 that's one thing but also i like the look of um you know uh kind of, this might lead to one of your questions later on but i like yeah. i like a guy to look like a damn man you know like no matter how tall or short he is thick or wide i want him to at least look like you know he can whip someone's ass that's well, my thing i i think that's and, the main and, thing yeah that's why I look like I was going to say, like MMA, some of those guys, you know, you just know they're legitimately tough no matter what their weight is because they look like you just don't want to fuck with this guy. You know, you know, they do something in in, in uh, battle arts or, or combat sports or something by the looks of their ears or face mm-hmm. or their, their scars. You know, they, they're legit people, you know, oh, they got a and mush- that's what I that's what I like in the wrestling. Yeah, if, they got if, a they're, mush- if they're smaller. Mush nose, fucking cauliflower yeah. ears. Yeah, you know, there's there's something about the build of a guy who's an actual fighter compared to a bodybuilder build. You know, yeah, there's absolutely. Just, yeah, it's just that more sinewy, fucking you know, kind of little more compact build that you mm-hmm. can sell like that. Mm-hmm. Fucker got a hold of you, he'd rip your arm right out of it. Exactly, that's what I was getting at. So, yeah. but yeah, it's more. So speaking of that, um, mm-hmm. let's go right into. You put on there, Mick Foley, his little message. I think it's only about a minute 15, minute 30. It says, we've got a problem. Um, did you hear that speech by Mick Foley? I certainly did. I heard it a couple times, and I even um, listened to your pal Xbox show about it just to kind of get a sense of it. Uh, okay. Uh, and basically, because I just wanted somebody's analysis, but you and I haven't talked about it yet. And that's no. that was one of the things I thought, you know, maybe we should because... And you still say this, even though you and I don't really watch the WWF, except you watch WrestleMania every year. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, WWE. Yeah, Um, gotcha. But, you know, your thing is always you still tell younger people, you know, go go to New York, get your Connecticut, (laughs) get your your thing. But can you still say that to a young person and feel good about it? Look at what they do to younger talent. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess just recently and and a couple people that's been – um, caught up to the main roster and they kind of joke about that or uh, to people that go from um, uh, like Eli Drake for example went from the NWA and now he's what LA Knight we talked about earlier mm-hmm. um, I was thinking of him he 
see, I I would like to see a guy like that jump from another company and go straight to the main roster. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And and um, but but they go to quote developmental or whatever it is. You know, NXT or or whatever. Just um, I I don't know. Obviously, they they're they're running a factory. They're a machine, yes. if you will. And I, even if Foley said, you know, uh, he put him over for taking care of his career like 30 years ago. But now, is that really the place to go? And I'm, I'm trying to get to that answer. Um, we talked about this before when we were joking around um, before as AEW. It was a T-shirt company kind of right, thing. Right. And we said, well, and we've talked about this in the tw- past 20 years. That was the place to go. There wasn't a whole lot of places. But as we did our top tier, uh, we did like I don't know, 13 different companies, I think. Um, there's other places to go. Yeah. And with what AEW, the only thing I don't want AEW falling into the trap of, and I've talked to a couple people about this, is people are thinking they're doing what WCW did years ago. They're just mm-hmm. taking whoever gets let go from WWE to their roster. Um, I hope that's not the case, but see, the thing is, at least the guys do have a place to go, and now maybe that is the answer. I want to aspire to go to AEW because they see all this fresh young talent and they see some of the veterans that are still there. Um, I don't know, man. Um, like like I think Paul even says, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But apparently they're just um, – they let a shitload of talented people go and – Hopefully those people find a, you know, somewhere. I, I've seen several people posting on Twitter that um, they're leaving their homes in Florida. They lived there for like five years under a developmental deal, mm-hmm. you know, in Orlando area, working at the Performance Center and got on a couple of Smackdowns. They, they've got a salary. I know there's a minimum on the salaries, but it's enough that you can live okay in Florida, you know, and um, you're trying to pursue your dream. But then all of a sudden you got to fucking sell your home or Move out of your apartment because you can't afford it. You know, I, I don't know if that's who you – I don't know if you trust anyone in a fucking wrestling business to begin with, Jeremy. Well, but, no, and that's, you know, I mean, that's just obviously saying, a thing, you know. I mean, that's you know, I don't know if if New York's the, the goal. I, I still think it is um, because of, when we say wrestling, we talked about this. It was, oh, you're talking about the WWF or a WWE. They don't know, you know, that's what they know mainstream yeah. refers to refers to it as. Um, but now, you know, hell, um, like Mick Foley said, if I was young, aspiring, uh, wrestler of talent, um, saw myself making a living at this or had a future in this business, why not go for um set your goal for AEW? Um well, how they got TVs, pay-per-views, and yeah. and a YouTube channel and Money backers, it's going to be there apparently for a while. Well, and you know, if they think they got something with you, they're gonna they're gonna push you. They're gonna let you try to yeah. run up front. Whereas the WWE seems to just chew up younger people. Basically, it's that we're gonna break you so we can make you kind of thing at the WWE. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's necessary. I mean, like, why the fuck is Samoa Joe at their developmental league, their AAA league? Yeah, I, that, that's what I was gonna say. If LA not, we we mentioned his name off the air there. Yeah. Um, we could we both just just talking just briefly about Eli Drake. I don't know why you just don't bring that guy over. And he's right there. I don't understand why he's not on Raw. Yeah, why would you, you know? put? I mean, I you... do. It's their business plan, but yeah, I think he's a big enough star. You, he could, 
He's, he can talk, he looks good, and he can work. Yeah. I mean, why would you put Bobby Roode in, in your development? That was the first that was the first time and I was watching back then. That was the first person I saw when when you when you brought that name up, that was one of the first people I saw that pissed me off. Like, man, how come this guy's not on the main roster? You know, yeah. um he man, look, talk, work, everything. Yeah. And you know. But that maybe that's where he sees himself too, because he's been there for a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I've not talked to him. I don't know him. Um, I want good stuff to continue to happen for him. But man, I can't believe he just didn't go right to the main roster. Right. I mean, and stay just, there. There. You know, I'm not going to say they couldn't have a reason. They certainly could. It yeah. just seems to me like, oh, you're from a different company. Fuck you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and they recently released that thing. Well, we're not going to hire any more indie wrestlers. We're going to find people with the right look and teach them how to wrestle. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I saw that too. So, so that, to me, that is a problem. Yeah. So fuck, fuck guys with passion, you know, guys and girls out there who that's what they want to be as a wrestler. They're going to yeah. go back to the, Hey, let's go pick Jim Helbig up off of fucking Venice beach. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, teach them the wrong way. Yeah, maybe know, let them fucking potato everybody, and you know, then but we got our way. And you know, you want to talk about every match in the WWE looking the same? Everybody's yeah. going to come through the exact same training. Nobody's going to pick up anything new. You know, it's homogenized fucking median temperature horseshit. Yep, yep, I agree. So, so yeah, I guess we do kind of have to. Um, to, to have a problem there. Uh, correspondence with the WWE communication department revealed a list of criteria for making the company, but nothing too specific. Some of the expectations are three to five years of professional wrestling experience or um, athleticism, size and charisma. If you want to be a star and one to three years of, training at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. Now, this came from an older, older article, but um, it's just one of those things where, you know, they kind of give you a guideline what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And it says, of course, the ability to listen, to learn, and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of those things where, like you said, it's, it's almost if you come from somewhere else, we're going to break you. Um, you're going to do it our way and, you know, our way works, but I like, um, the variety when you've got different, different type of athletes and, and wrestlers and different backgrounds. So you, you've got a guy coming in, you know, so let's use us, uh, William Regal, for example, an English yeah. guy, you get to see someone like that come in. That's a whole different style when he's working, no matter who he works with, it's going to be a whole different style. Um, I don't know. It's just to me, it's um, I want to see the different styles. We're going to be talking about someone today, you know, worked in a, from a territory for went to New York. You know, yeah. I want to I like when guys you, you had a couple of guys from Memphis that made it to New York or a couple of guys that you saw. They made a jump ship from the uh, NWA to the WWF or, or whatever, you know, E, whatever. Um but you saw the different styles clashing, you know, and oh, yeah. it, and it, and it's a, like a melting pot instead of like a, a robotic movement, same movements, uh, same, you know, reading or promo or whatever's written for them. They're trying to adapt that instead of just coming out oh, yeah. and, and doing their own promo, you know, here, here you are a character. No, um, 
they're already a character in themselves. You know what I'm saying? That can cut their own promos. They don't need someone writing for them. Well, they, they should be able to cut their own promos. I know that was yes. one of John Moxley's things. He's like, I got to memorize three pages of dialogue or monologue written by a 75-year-old man who changed them every half hour till right up before <laughs> I walked out in front of the camera and recite shit that he thinks is cool when he yeah. has somebody else bringing him clothes to wear, you know? <laughs> Um, what well, do you think the AEW or AEW, do they seem to have a lot of momentum? I, I think they do. Now, is that just bullshit momentum from pickups or is it like everything kind of, kind of coming together? I, th- I think it feels to me like it's like things are coming together that they got a big enough profile mm-hmm. that guys with, with big profiles are looking at them going, you know what? That's a, that's a legit place to go. That is somewhere to yeah. go, you know? I'm feeling that way too. I'm, I'm feeling like they're getting some momentum. Yeah. Like it's really starting to come together for them. Um, some of the stuff I don't like, and that's okay. I don't have to like everything. No. I'm not their fucking market. I get that. But um, I'm just glad that the boys and girls have a place to go and work at. Yeah. And well, comes back to it gives you if you don't if you don't aspire to be a WWE performer, why not aspire to work for a company? That's backed by a fucking billionaire and that has TV and they have other talented people. And like you said, um, they're willing, if they see something good in it, it looks like they're trying to do something with people. Um, so, and they got several options on the shows with them too. Oh, yeah. You know, now they're, um, they're, you get they're to that roster. Their roster's getting bloated. I, I do see yep. that as an issue. But yep. one of the things I like is, <clears throat> you know, you go, go to work there and they basically go like, Hey, so what do you want as a theme song? I'll go buy the rights. <laughs> you know, just like yeah, um, yeah, no problem. Um, one of the other things that I thought is kind of cool is they're they're willing to take a risk on on some different things. And you can you know going back to talking about younger people, look at Jungle Boy. They're setting something up for him in the future. Yeah. Um, now, why they don't call him Jungle Boy Jack Perry, I couldn't fucking tell you because yeah. I would be wringing that fucking cloth out as constantly <laughs> as I could. You know? Yeah, hell yeah, man! I let him know who I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just be like, oh hey, you guys have heard of my dad, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I'd have done, but yeah. you know, hell. Anyway, what's next, man? I was going to say, I remember when my little brother told me that that was uh, Luke Perry's kid. I was like, no way. And I looked at him like, fuck, that's obviously Luke Perry's kid. How did I not not fucking see that? Um, You know, I had a question for you. This one's been percolating in my head a little bit. Um, Bobby, we're going to pretend that you somehow become a billionaire. You hit the lottery. You're a billionaire, right? Yes. Okay, but you've decided that's way too much money, so now you're going to start a wrestling federation and lose some of that. That's right, because I just want to be a millionaire, baby. Just a millionaire, yeah. (laughs) Millionaire. More money, more problems (laughs) kind of shit. We're going to cut that down. Yeah. But as you sit down to work out your roster, the first thing you got to figure out, who do you build your your promotion on? And the old thing would be, you pick a baby face and go. Is that still what you would do? Would you head in a different direction? Do heels and baby faces even matter? Uh, see, that's, that, that's, that, that secondary question, do heels and baby faces even matter? I'm going I'm to eliminate that question by saying I'm going to try to make my company um, old schoolish in a sense that I want a heel and a baby face. Okay. okay? And I don't know necessarily that I'm looking for 
um, that baby face right that second. Because I'm thinking in my mind, I want to find me a good heel. Okay. I'm talking about someone like a Terry Funk type heel. Cause that's my favorite. So I drop his name there. Sure, sure. So, so I want someone that can be very aggressive, very angry, really wild and crazy, you know, and then I'm going to have, but I want him of course to have a, a worthy opponent. And I see, you know, there's, I don't want to, I'm not going to name names per se. I see a lot of, you know, guys out on the independent circuit and, and, um, you know, these up and coming guys that are, you know, using Jungle Boy, an example there. Yeah. Um, you get a young, good looking guy. Again, I don't know why you just go, you know, hey, this is, you know, Luke Perry's kid, Hollywood, you know, looks yeah. about him and, and let's make him the baby face. And, um, uh, anyway, I think you, I think I would, start with and that way you and and I'd get I'd have two tag teams of course mm-hmm. and I'd have I'd have about four girls you know um I'd try to have a I'd try to have a very mixed mixed show but I think you know I I think I start with a a heel okay um and that baby face when you start the program uh let's obviously it's not going to be a hawk hogan but you find a, a really good you find that baby face and as soon as you start your program i think at first day or tvs or your first loops that you're running boom that baby face get fucked right away. Sure. That established it. Yeah. Boom. He he got he had he we started this new promotion, and uh, the professor Jeremy Jeremy Vilmer is the baby face uh, champion, and you're out there getting over, and you're over with the girls and the fans, and the, you know it. Again, it's 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 my million dollars. You know, I'm losing my billion dollars, whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but you're going to get glommed and fucked, and that title's coming off of you. But, you know, within a couple of weeks and then you're chasing it, you know, you're going to chase it around the loop, but you have to have that wild and crazy and just one tough, mean heel, you know, um, that's the way I would go. Okay. Um, yeah, I can see that. The, the, um, big Samoan guy that works for, um, uh, shit, drawing a blank, Jeremy, sorry. Um, uh, Samoan MLW? works out the. Yeah, MLW. Okay. Uh, big, tough, legitimate, tough guy. Yeah. Uh, there's your killer heel right there, you know. Um, now, he's not going to be your top heel, but I can see potential in that guy, yeah. you know. Um, uh, this is not a dig towards anyone in particular, but I don't hire like a, a, a Marcus Stunt or someone like that, even though we was talking about people being 165 pounds. I don't hire a fucking 101-pound guy either because I want someone, um, and I don't even know if – I just want someone that looks like they can whip someone's ass, you know, yeah. a grown ass man. that looks like he can whip someone's ass, um, you know, and I don't care if the guy happens to be just a little bit older and more mature, you know, that um, like Nick Bockwinkle always looked the same, but he looked older. Yeah. And he's yeah. still wrestling at 51 and he still he looked like he was 35 when he was 50. Five, you know, yeah, exactly. And still having those fucking kind of matches with the young Kurt Henning, you know, but he, but he still looked like he'd whip your ass, you know, um, and he carried himself as the champion. So that's what I would want. Um, but with today's audiences and the market they're going for, I can see him saying, you know, this guy's just too fucking old, and he could be thirty-two years old. You know, I mean, yeah, sure. you know, what I'm saying I, they want someone maybe some twenty-five-year-old that's that's came from another sport or uh, uh, jump ship or whatever they're going to tear down 
and and build them their way. I don't know, man. I just I I think you start with your top program. You get, I just I put I put the heel over. Me and you love heels though. Yeah, you know? let's you know that's the so. thing. It's you know I'm such a heel that my dog is a Queensland healer. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, man. Bobby, I just I just had a random thought. So, like, say, like you were you were going to do this, and you're going to try to stay semi regional where you're at. You know, kind of like a yeah, school. Yeah. Would Would it be worthwhile to maybe go find a, a collegiate wrestler or somebody who was who was maybe high school who was big locally five years ago and try to bring them in and build them? What do you What do you think about something like that? Ooh, um, you know that's. The, I, I don't see a lot of guys once they that's wrestled in high school uh, pursue much. You know, I, I mm-hmm. know several that have uh, pursued professional wrestling, but after after they've wrestled collegiately, you just don't see that much anymore. Like yeah, that's, that's to, why I dropped you know. back to high school. Uh, I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I know, like Chad Collier, a good friend of mine, lives out in Indiana, trained by the Malenkos, and he's fresh in my mind because he's been putting some videos up on on Twitter and and, and uh, YouTube. Um, cause he, you know, he was a collegiate wrestler, um, that, you know, he had to finish his degree. I heard, um, Shane Douglas talking, um, a couple weeks ago, talking about he had to finish his degree, you know, e- even though he's going to be a wrestler, his parents had made sure that, um, Dominic Nucci, you know, made sure he finished his degree before he was going to, that was priority over his wrestling training, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. But, um, but well, being it, a collegiate it, wrestler, you know, is a different thing than, than being trained while you're in college. So I, I don't know that you're going to get a lot of college, but I think you do get um, the, the guys that do high school or have had some kind of mixed martial arts training. Um, yeah, I, I can see, you know, getting if, – if they're interested in learning the pro style, absolutely, because they can pick up the pro style so much easier. I love it when an amateur is in a ring because they understand um, – how much pressure to apply, how to handle someone else's, they can handle their own body weight and also handle someone else's body weight. Yeah. You know, I really like that if they've been a, you know, has some amateur background. Um, it, just, it seems to just go so much smoother. Uh, yeah. I know it helped me a whole lot. Well, I think, you know, you know if I were answering this, you know, over here, we've got a bunch of MMA training facilities mm-hmm. around this area. Nick Diaz and mm-hmm. those guys were trained around here. Um, I think I'd probably go for an MMA guy. Mm-hmm. Or I would try to go for an MMA guy who, who like maybe was disillusioned, but still like the combat and the uh, the technical aspect of it. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I like I that. Think, I think maybe I'd try that because like that match you did with Dan Severn, or those two matches you did with Dan Severn, where you guys yeah. kind of leaned on the MMA style. Yeah, were nice looking matches. Now I'm sure there's a way to make them a little more pro friendly. But yeah. you know, fucking Dan Severn's not the guy you want working just like a pro wrestling guy. No, you want those to... were hard to pull off. It took two sure. complete professionals to yeah. do that, uh, and that that was on my mind when you were saying that. That's actually what come to mind. Um, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. It's um, that's that's why I was getting at the amateur background certainly helps. You know, and oh, yeah. I got some very um, extensive training wise at Malenko's, not just in, you know, here's how you hit the ropes or here's the headlock. You know, I got, you know, down and dirty some that, you know, Hey, here's, here's what you, this is, this is how you learn, you know, here's your stances. Here's, you know, um, get down here, shoot on his right leg, shoot on his left leg. Now, 
you know, all, you know, double leg, you know, shoot, and and here's what's going to happen, you know. Oh, okay, <laughs> don't shoot on that leg. He's feeding it to you for a reason, kid. You know, <laughs> he's keeping another leg back for a reason. He wants you to fucking grab his leg so you can front face lock your ass and flatten you out on a mat. And you learn that, you know. Yeah. So, um, so when it comes time to work with a fucking uh, high school, uh, all state um, wrestler. And then he goes to Arizona State and becomes an All-American wrestler and an alternate on a fucking Olympic team. Uh, you know, you're wrestling one of those guys like a Dan Severn. you like, okay, we can pull this off because, A, we're going to have a gentleman's agreement, thankfully. But more importantly, uh, we can go. And like Severn told me, we can work a we can work a shoot or we can shoot a work, pal. <laughs> you know? oh, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and my choice is, hey, we're going to work, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, there's, so. yeah, I mean, there was a reason that I'm sure that you guys kind of went, okay, we'll, we'll do this. We'll do some leg kicks. We'll fill each other out. And then you fucking suplex my ass across the ring and get the pen or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay, we'll fill it out. And then you fucking just murder the guy. And, okay, we're done. Um, yeah, well, then you got those long ass matches. We're gonna talk about one here in just a minute. Yep. Um, that people don't want to see that anymore. You know, twenty six round matches. You no, know, I think I think I think so. we kind of time out like twelve to fifteen. Like fifteen, I feel like would be a long match for today's audience. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think you're right, man. Yeah. Can you can you imagine the um, well MMA? They they go. The top level for the UFC, you know, you're looking at five five minute rounds. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at 25 minutes at the max, um, with you know a minute in between, so 30 minutes. And and those fights though are usually so exciting, you can do that. Pro, I think you know you're holding their attention 15 or 20 minutes, and that's 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 pretty damn good. Yeah, I think if you get get 20 these days without yeah. you know just wearing your audience out. Yeah, I'm not talking about him hauling around at the beginning and talking and using a microphone. I'm talking about getting in a ring and actually doing a match people would be into. You could really work it, and I think 20 minutes would be would good be good. Yeah, to get. Well, let's so, um, you know, we can we yeah. can kind of continue that point as we go. Let's uh, yeah. we we are going to talk this week about 10 reasons we love and hate Ted DiBiase. Yes. Ted DiBiase, Ted DiBiase. Oh, that guy. Who yeah. said that? Yeah, that that <laughs> guy. I, yeah. I used to love that. Akbar would do that, just like mangle his name. Just fuck it. You know? <laughs> Ted DiBiase. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, real quickly, I'm going to give out our uh, Twitter address. How's that? Yes, that sounds good. Okay. I can be found at BobbyBlaze744 on Twitter. Jeremy can be found at the Geekish Cast. Or you can join our joint tweet us at our joint account at bell to bell blaze and we also have a website at bell to bell and i noticed you've got a new shirt up there um or it's going to be up there and i love that i popped i said it out loud at a restaurant the other day <laughs> i said i said look at this gary hart will cut a bitch and the person looked at my phone kind of got it but also looked at me like uh, you realize other people are sitting around us <laughs> and it's lunchtime i'm like oh but it's, yeah but, I it's said, but you get it but it's true that's what i said there's the heart there's the razor so we got that gary hart will gary hart will and there's a razor and a heart i really like that uh some a son of a plumber the american dream uh arms favorite enhancement talent uh the pin me pay me shirts which mine came in i'm very pleased with it very awesome shirt um 
So, uh, and you get my books there. We'll talk about that later on. But anyway, visit our website, visit our store. Hopefully there's going to be some blogs up pretty soon. Um, I'm, I'm working on one right now, and uh, I, I know Jeremy's put some stuff up there. I appreciate that very much. But, yeah, give us a visit, man, at the uh, belltobellblaze.com. Yeah, and so. also, if you are if you are a promoter or a wrestler who wants to send us, like, your uh, press releases, send them on over. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you know. That's nice. Uh, yeah, I know. Hey, if anyone's listening from FTC or SW in this area, uh Yes, yeah, send us some press releases. I'll put them up, uh, get them over to Jeremy or what have you. Yeah, so. absolutely. I'd love to be able to carry some of that info. I'd love to, you know, for us to be able to try to help out with like a smaller Fed, but also just kind of stay in the loop with what people are doing. Yeah, really. and you don't have to be in my region to do that or out in California or New York. Um, no. If you're if you got something legit with some talented people on it and you want to promote it, send it over there. We'll, we'll put it up there. Yeah, absolutely. More likely. We'll probably tweet it out for you, too, but you know. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about Ted DiBiase, who you can find on his own website at milliondollarman.com. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get into that in a bit here, too. Yes. Um, but yes. I wanted to talk a little bit. We're going to start with number 10, his parents. Iron Mike DiBiase yes. and Helen Hild were his. Uh, well, Iron Mike was his adopted father, but I'm not really going to distinguish for that because he took the right. last gotcha. his entire life. Yeah. Um, you know, Iron Mike, one of his most notable matches was a Texas death match against Dory Funk's, Funk Sr., which went one hour, 44 minutes, and a total of 16 falls before Funk was declared the winner. 16 falls, yeah. Bobby. <laughs> Did you, uh, hey, Man. Bobby, um, Bobby, I got an idea. How about you and Dan Severn for two hours? Uh, most falls wins. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about that. It'd be over pretty quick. Uh, I think I took in about a 15 or 20 minute time period when I did my program, Dirty Whiteboard, where he could beat me as many times as he could. All I had to do was pin him one time or make him submit. I think he beat me like five times, you know, like every three minutes he was pinning me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but I had read about this um, in Terry Funk's book, and also, of course, we want to talk about DiBiase's book. So, um, so yeah, that's that's a mighty that's a mighty long time, man. An hour and forty four minutes. Yeah, sixteen falls. Woo. Yeah, man. And uh, I probably what was it? Probably four men on a card. <laughs> you know, oh, two two matches before that, mate. Yeah, uh, more than likely. I you mean. know, maybe one match on the card. Maybe it was just a. You know, one match, grudge match, Dory Funk Sr. versus, you know, uh, Mike DiBiase. Yeah, well, he'd still need uh, some kind of curtain jerker or something in there. Yeah, 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 something. I would think so. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. But then uh, I guess um, uh, Mike DiBiase uh, had a match with Man Mountain Mike and had a heart mm-hmm. attack in the ring. Harley Race was there, performed CPR on him, and then rode with him to the hospital. Uh, DiBiase was pronounced dead at the hospital. Now, his mother was Helen Hild, who was very popular, also a wrestler in the 40s and 50s, had a title shot against Mildred Burke. Yeah, um, wow. I didn't yeah. know she had a title shot. Cool. Yep, she, she had at least one that I could find. Uh, unfortunately, when her husband passed away, she Bobby got involved in one of our favorite pastimes, abuse of alcohol. And it kind of uh, just, kind of just ruined her life after that, you know. Yeah. So a little hard, a little little rough there, um, you know. But he had two. I mean, he had a background in wrestling just by birthright alone, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, that'd be well, a, that'd be a hard yeah. way to get raised. Both your parents are pro wrestlers, and you, you know you're like, "Mom, <laughs> I got a stomach ache." Oh, shut up! <laughs> I wrestled Tuesday night against Mildred Burke with diarrhea and shit my own pants. <laughs> I'm still in the ring for 45 minutes. You can go to school, Ted. <laughs> well, if she's not already telling you to do that. <laughs> Where do your dad get home? He uh, just wrestled an hour and 44 minutes against Dory Sr. Tell him you got a tummy ache. <laughs> oh, <laughs> get up man. and go to school. Eric, my. <laughs> I don't think you get many, many easy days that way. That's right. Yeah. So number nine, West Texas State. There we go, man. DiBiase yeah. went to West Texas State. Man, that's, that's one of the um, – all-time great colleges to, for the alumni for professional wrestling. Um, and I know these are your words, and you can thank the professor for this week's notes. He done a terrific job, as always. But um, the late Tex Johnson wrote us a, a West Texas bit for a series of documentaries um, or docs that we, we just never got to it. Jeremy recorded a couple, started recording a couple times, I guess. Um, it, was, it was very well written, and I know Jeremy... I think you played like two or three minutes for me at one time. I know we just haven't gotten to it, but um, it was very interesting because Tex went through all the talent. I don't think he missed anyone uh, that no, uh, went to Texas very, State. It was a very, very thorough. I mean, yeah. Um, That's something we may want to visit eventually. Yeah, um, probably. Again, because he had a um, he had that one. He also had one. I think about meeting um, Jody Hamilton, the assassin. I think he sent us a, a personal story about that. I may need to pull the audio up on that if it hasn't disappeared. But uh, something he had sent us when we was doing Mask Men or something and we just didn't use. But we might have to revisit those things in honor of Tex. Yeah, you so, know, um, like I, yeah. I, I still have the script for that. And I was yeah. trying to go through and pull out some names, but it's yeah. 14 pages long. So that's the reason to love DiBiase, though, not a reason to hate him. And that is because along with both Funk Brothers, uh, uh, Fucking um, Bill who Watts, else? Uh, uh, yeah, Nagurski, um, uh, Nomalini. I think name Tully, them all. I think Tully. Tully, yes, there. Tully was quarterback there at yeah. one time. Yeah, um, um, shit, Tito Santana went there. Yeah, T- Barry Windham, Tito. Yeah, uh, a lot of guys went through there, man. Uh, now Dick Murdoch. They say, they say he played in the alumni football game several years, but uh, many people claim that he um, he. Uh, wasn't a Marine and wasn't a graduate of West Texas State. He just showed up on campus. Um, I don't know which is true. Um, I, you know, not going to just say, but that that also could be a famous alumni of West Texas State is is Dirty Dick Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Um, Manny Martin. Fernandez went there. Um, uh, so, you know. No, it's a, it's see. a hell of a list. Like Brody went there. Yeah, um, yeah Brody. Uh, so, Yeah. Basically, good, good, if, lot if, of, if you were a super badass at some point, a real smash mouth badass, you probably went to West Texas State. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you probably played football or wrestled or did both. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that's the reason. All right, so we'll go to number eight then. Yep. The North American title and the 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 mid the W you got WWWF Mid South slash UWF yeah so, uh, so you've got some stuff to add here and then I'll add my stuff here yeah so uh, Teddy Biasi was a regular holder of the uh, North American title which was Mid South major title okay um, mm-hmm. the WWF in seventy nine lured him up north with a North quote unquote North American title reign it was a title they created for him. 
Um, now, one of the things I've always found interesting about that title is after he left, uh, Pat Patterson got it. And then Pat Patterson unified it with the totally real and not at all fictitious South American <laughs> title in a totally real tournament in Rio de Janeiro, creating the Intercontinental title. Right. All right. That's an interesting fact for Pat Patterson. And here's an interesting fact for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I said I left Maryland, Baltimore in about 1969-ish. Uh, I had only watched the WWF on a big, you know, floor panel TV. Um, in 19, I mean, we, Jeremy, we checked these dates on the year 78, 79. Uh, in 1979, after my freshman year, I spent a couple, a uh, few weeks, maybe even a month. I used to spend summers with different grandmothers. Uh, one had retired, moved back to Kentucky, but other ones still lived in Maryland, in Baltimore. And the the, the next time that I know that I saw WWF TV, uh, Ted DiBiase was there, um, and he was doing a uh, battle with um, Handsome Jimmy Valiant was there still. So um, that was, uh, you know, 1979 that summer. He was there um, in in the WWF with that North American title. So that's, that's you know, I hadn't seen it for like 10 years, but I'm, you know, well, what did that know? Yeah. Grown up a little bit, you know what I'm saying? 15 yeah. years old, uh, got to see, you know, uh, some WWF TV and something different to Memphis at that time for those, I was up there maybe a month or so, like I said. Um, but, uh, DB was there and I, that's the first time I'd seen him too, probably. Um, Although I didn't know at a time, um, I think he, him, a couple other were in Paradise Alley, but I didn't know, you know, who was who was who in that other than Terry Funk and and, and Sylvester Stallone, of course. Right, right. But uh, then, so that title that he had, this is new. So Pat Patterson took it, and that's what he turned into the IC channel title. Yep. Man, man, South America with well, that. Uh, uh, we're at Brazil, uh, Rio Where's de Janeiro, Brazil. Yeah, yeah. There you go. He went down there and won that damn thing. That must have been a hell of a title. Must have been <laughs> a t- tournament, tournament, tournament. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. That that must have been. Um, yeah, because they, I mean, they basically said, yeah, yeah. He uh, combined it with the South American to create the Intercontinental title, and that's interesting to me because I remember when I first started watching WWF, I was trying to figure out what the hell Intercontinental meant because I was like, isn't that the whole planet? <laughs> Which it would be, except it was created to be North and South America. So yeah. it's just in between those continents. So then I was like, aha, now I get it. That's that's what happened to me, too. Now I get it, yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. Well, you want to get something, you can get a book. You can get one of my books, and you can get them on Amazon. Um, or you can just use one of the professor's easier methods to get to my books, and that is if you would like to get a copy of Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost, Will Travel, you can do so by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. Uh, the program does benefit a little bit from that. It's a small fee that uh, Amazon kicks back to the affiliate account uh, that Jeremy has, and um, we be if you love to get a new book for someone for the upcoming holidays, we'd love it if you if you went to Amazon and bought one. That's fine, but I really love it if you used the uh, tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 um, for Pin Me, Pay Me. My second book, I kicked out on two, The Education of a Wrestler. You can get that at tinyurl.com 
tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. It's that simple. It'll take you right to the site, and you can order your copy of either book or both books if you'd like. Um, and we appreciate it very much, man. And uh, while you're there, if you've read one of my books, uh, leave a review. Uh, just like we're asking you to in this program. If you like our program, uh, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, preferably Apple, or you can go to our website, like I said, belltobellblaze.com, and you can leave us a review there. We appreciate it very much, man. Uh, all we ask for are fair and honest reviews. You know, you don't have to blow any smoke up our ass. Um, you don't have to suck our dick. We're just saying, hey, um, we're here, and we'd like to be rated. Um, yep. give, us, give us a fair and honest rating. And hopefully you enjoy the show, and thanks for tuning in. And, of course, you know, buy a book. Buy a book. Buy a book. Buy a T-shirt. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll come up merchandise, with Merchandise. Yeah. Merchandise. <clears throat> merchandising. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to move on now to... Uh, yeah, number seven. Number seven, which is uh, The Feud with Junkyard Dog. Now, they started off as friends and tag team partners, but they were both covetous of the North American title. Mm. So, uh, eventually, JYD would take the title off of Bob Roop, who we have several stories about as well, yep. in Shreveport, become champion, and because they still held stories logically in place, he had to inherit Bob Roop's title defenses, which mm. meant he had a match coming up with DiBiase. So, both men go in. You know what they had, Bobby? They had a gentleman's agreement, right? Yes. Except yes. that dastardly DiBiase... <laughs> Pulled out a loaded glove, socked JYD in the head, got got the pin, and t- took the title right off of him. Yeah, yep. So that's and I here's a couple of things about that. I like that idea that since Rupert already had these title matches scheduled, and they keep with the program instead of stopping your program and starting something completely new or over, it's a continuation that you have the champion schedule now. And then that sets up going against someone you consider a friend. Doesn't matter. Win or lose, you have to face your friend because that's who was on the schedule. I love that, man, the continuation of that. I wanted to give you a little back history real quick about the um, – the black glove in professional wrestling. And of course they had, um, there were some, while DiBiase had that black glove, he did some uh, black glove on a pole matches too. Uh, but, uh, the black Jack Mulligan, uh, when he was in a WWF, he wore, and I'm sure other people done this time. Just kind of give brief history. What I, he, he, he used it against like Bruno and, and Pedro and, and this cat and that cat. But, um, in 71, he went to AWA and joined Jack Lanza. They become the black Jacks had a pretty successful run, but 1982, you know, where the angle is, you know, DiBiase hurt his right hand. He had to wear the fingerless black glove. So, you know, I don't understand where that goes. The fingerless black glove, you know, it's supposed to be there to protect your hand. But that glove becomes almost infamous infamous as uh, Bob uh, Orton Jr.'s cast that, you know, did his arm ever get better? You know, someone, he was here this past summer. I didn't go down and see him. He was there with, I think him and Tony Atlas. So, so, some gentleman uh, in his 70s said, Bobby, if you go down there, uh, ask him if his arm ever healed up. You know, <laughs> so the, the be honest at this point though against JYD he had he had a reason to wear that glove Jeremy it wasn't just loaded man you know what I'm saying it, he might have loaded a little bit what he put in there maybe a bar of soap or a brick I don't know just saying he had a hand injury 
Um, and like a good heel or like a good champion, he had to fucking use that glove to win against his. And of course, everyone knows from our program and booking a territory, how over JYD was. So you just know instant heat, how much of a heel that made DiBiase at that part, man, for that feud with JYD, um, how over he would have been. And I know some more Mid-South listeners, they tell us a lot more detail. Some of them probably were there or have the magazine covers uh, or the uh, program covers from being there. So that's awesome, man. But anyway, that's just a little history of the glove. But Jeremy. Yes. Did you know for $65, okay, you can go and get a single black glove autographed at themillionman.com. If you want a single black fingerless glove autographed, just give them $65 and go to themillionman.com. What do you think about that, man? Well, I just I want to clarify real quick. It's milliondollarman.com. Uh, okay, what did I section. say? You said million man. Um, but okay, that's, what, that's, what is it? Million dollar man. Million okay. Dollar man. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay, good. gotcha. Uh, Bobby, right. I, I see you one glove and raise you. One shoe. Uh, no. Autographed. What? Autographed. The last An bump. autographed shoe. Yes, the last bump. Ring-worn shoe. $1,000. I, I, let, me, let me read you the description now. Please do. I thought I, I, thought I found a real gem in that glove, man. I'm oh, like, you what did. Is what? You did. I just, okay. I just happened to find one thing slightly better. These are okay. the ring-worn shoes that uh, that Ted DiBiase had on when he was attacked by L.A. Knight on WWE NXT a few weeks ago. You only have two chances to own one of these shoes. <laughs> Worn by Ted. I can drink water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A thousand bucks, you don't even get a pair of shoes, you get a shoe. <laughs> Or by Ted DiBiase during what could have been the last bump he ever takes. Oh, they're not even going to certify that it's the last bump. <laughs> it's the last bump he's taken so far. Uh, yeah. With very little wing. It's like a Terry Funk retirement thing. <laughs> exactly. With very little ring-worn gear available from Ted, this is truly a rare offer. Please note this is for a single shoe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. $1,000 well, for half a pair of shoes. I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, oh shit. Lordy. Fingerless gloves, one shoe. I don't know. Hell. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that, you know what that sounds like to me? What's that? Number six. It sounds like a million-dollar man problem. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Buy a pair of shoes for 40 bucks, sell each one for 1000 <laughs> Exactly. So, of course, he played the very bully-like, rich bully-like Vince McMahon. Uh, you know, that's, that's basically Vince... Uh, Vince's character, right? It was oh, based yeah, on basically. him pretty much, you know. Look, I've heard I've heard uh, Jim Cornette and others say that to to Vince McMahon, the funniest thing in the world is him pushing you in the pool, you know. <laughs> uh, that and that, you know, you look at everything Million Dollar Man did. Hey, dribble this basketball a hundred times, I'll give you ten thousand dollars. That was the that was my favorite man. Yeah, I'll just kick the he dribbled thing away. Kick yeah. Oh man, that was good. Yeah, the Million Dollar Man. Um, that's number six. Hell, that's what he's worldwide known as, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, still unreal. Working that, still working that gimmick today, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's got the million-dollar belt, mm-hmm. um, you know, showcases it around. The um, well, hell, you know, just he went there, and that gimmick just got fucking heat, like, so quick, man. Yeah, it you really know, did. Just, well, it's because, uh, you know, we all hate rich people. That's I mean, that's what and, it comes down to. And I don't know if it was said on here or another podcast. 
I really can't see someone else doing that gimmick other than DiBiase. Now it's been done, but was someone else going to do that or not? Do you know? Well, so there is a rumor that Gino Hernandez. Oh, could, there we go. Could have done it, but I think I think what probably happened was like this conversation. Somebody probably said like, "Hey, who else could have been the million dollar man?" And somebody's like, "Oh, fucking Gino could have done it." And it becomes, oh, Gino was almost the million dollar man or Gino. Right. You know, I I think it it, it kind of permutates a little bit. You know what it reminds me of is like, hey, Bobby, did you know that the NWA was going to give DiBiase a title run? Yeah, that's that's kind of what you're talking about. Um, When I think it's hearsay, I know in Funk's book and also I think it was in Ric Flair's book, uh, both of them made reference to that time period around 78, 79, uh, cause he went from, from, uh, up to New York. Like we talked about just briefly a second ago, didn't mm-hmm. like back to Georgia and then jumped, you know, went right over to mid South and had his big run there. But during that time, there was talk, you know, that, uh, it got to be talk. I don't know if it made it to the office talk, but a, a couple of the boys, namely that I've read, you know, say, all it was was Terry Funk said, I think, you know, he would have, I think I would have loved seeing Ted DiBiase get it run with that title cup. I think he would have been a great NWA champion. And I'm pretty sure that's pretty much what Flair said. Like, you know, there was other guys out there that um, they'd have liked this, who who could have carried this title. And and he mentioned that, you know, DiBiase would have made a, a, a great NWA champion as well. But I don't think there was any discussion of, and if there was, hey, you know, send us a tweet. Let us know. Yeah. Fill me in. But on both of those books, um, I think they pretty much was just saying their personal, hey, Jeremy, you know who I think would be a good NWA champion? And and we're just locker room talk or the guys talking, whatever. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, you know, um, Ted would have made a great champion. Or he will make a great champion. You know, maybe that can come up in discussion to where it's blown out to. Same thing with Gino. You know, a couple mm-hmm. guys sitting around going, yeah, well, you know, Gino would have made a great million-dollar man. To now, it's like, did you know Gino was going to be the million-dollar man if Ted DiBiase didn't do it? You yeah. know, there's a difference there in the wording, you know. So oh, that's kind of what happened, you know. I think. And, yeah. You know, and Ric Flair, Ric Flair, I mean, for being such a braggadocious dude, he's kind of humble. And he'll he'll be like, oh, yeah, so-and-so, uh, David Von Erich, uh, Ted DiBiase, I'm sure yeah. he said, yeah, they um, they were they were next in line or they were going to get a title run. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So even, yeah. you know, even Flair saying it doesn't necessarily mean it. I mean, David's dad was the president, I believe, at the time. So it's his chances go up quite a bit. In the yeah. NWA. Did you know fucking Kerry carved his initials in the front plate of the NWA title? <laughs> no, I did not. Had, had did he belt, really? Yeah, had the belt for all of like six days and he fucking carved his initials in the fucking front front plate. <sighs> Cocaine is a hell of a drug. It really, really, really is. You know, I feel like fucking King Kong on that shit. But anyhow, Man. yeah. Um, we'll see, you know, it's funny. We should talk about Go to cocaine. number five. Well, we're talking about cocaine and the million dollar man because that's what that habit costs. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, didn't read the fine print, Bobby. You know, uh, did you know you can't <laughs> buy the WWF title? No, I didn't know that, man. Right. I, I figured you had to win it, but I thought you could also buy it if you had a million dollars. You would think, but uh, Ted DiBiase tried that. He, uh, mm-hmm. he got he got Andre to go beat the shit out of Hogan. 
mm-hmm. uh, and then gave Andre some some scratch up front, and then yep. bought the title. And then I believe it was Jack Tunney said, "No, you can't do that." And you can't buy it. Damn it! Yeah, and always that fine print. Yeah, it's always that fine print will always get you. And he couldn't win the tournament to get it either. So <laughs> Ted DiBiase, being the resourceful young gentleman that he was, had this gaudy fucking bobble made up called the Million Dollar Championship. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you're, you're just hinting to go back and revisit the Ugly Belts. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we really podcast are. again. I think. <laughs> so yeah, could we so come he, up with could we come up with ten new ones? Uh, probably. I don't know. I, I I don't know. Hell, you're the belt guy. You know, uh, just, I got, I don't, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I bet we could. I'm, I'm I sure bet we, we could. could. Yeah. I've seen yeah. some doozies out there. Okay. Well, this one here would have to make it, because I don't think it was on our last list, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So yeah. we might have to add the million-dollar title one there, since you're browbeating it so badly. <laughs> so yeah, they still have that as a prop too. Uh, when he goes around, I'm pretty sure, like we mentioned, I'm. Oh, I, I, wait know. till we wait till we get to number three because I found out an interesting little fact. Uh, okay, okay, so, uh, I will. Well, I'll, I'll jump to number four then. Yeah. The man, the money man behind the NWO. Now this is something kind of new to me, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not playing dumb, but uh, I just um, for three months. Then he was replaced by Bischoff. Yeah. Uh, I remember him being there. I'll talk about that in just a minute. So he was going to be, he was the man, he was the money man behind the NWO. Is yeah, that- he was, he was the money guy and he was like the mouthpiece for him. And okay. Then, and then they, you know, quote unquote, caught Bischoff being a double agent. And then Bischoff became the voice of the NWO. Okay. Which, which put Ted okay. in the background and then further in the background, further in the background. And then he turned face. Okay. Yeah, I remember being there, and you know, I must have, I was traveling some then uh, and, and wrestling quite a bit, and it seemed like I tuned in, because you know, I obviously was a fan too, mm-hmm. I tuned in when um, Scott Hall showed up and Bischoff was there, and I guess they were the outsiders, yeah. so I may have missed, uh, you know, that you says for three months, I may have missed, you know, an episode here or there, you know. Well, and you got to um, remember how quick shit was changing at this period, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's why so. I mean, that's why we were glued to our TVs during this period of time. It's like, oh fuck, what's going to happen this week? And if it was something small, well, we're going to miss it. You know, if it's yeah. not, if it's not Hulk Hogan turning on Mach in a match, we don't care. You know, we're we're yeah. on to the next thing. You know, Sting, there's two of you. Uh, you know, all <laughs> all that stuff that's going. You know, oh my God, they just lawn darted Rey Mysterio Jr. into the production trailer. You know, that's the yeah. stuff we were paying attention to. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause I didn't. I didn't know that though. Yeah, now, uh, did where you, I did, I forgot it or something. Yeah, that's all. Well, it's just it's not a high point, but it's it is something to pay okay. attention to because they were they were calling him the tr- you know trillionaire Ted, making a play off of back when Vince McMahon still pretended to think billionaires were a bad thing. You know, before mm. he became a billionaire, <laughs> and um, you know, so they were calling him trillionaire Ted and talking up his wealth yeah. and his power and this that and the other. Um, you know, it was, it was just, you know, again, I think that NWO era was the last one where we all kind of like sat back and, well, what's real and what's not here? You know, it's, yeah, I, I know it's all the work, but some of this shit looks pretty legit now. And, you know, they're, they're telling us there's a difference between what's in script and what's off script and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so author of every man has a price, the true story of wrestling's million dollar man. 
So you can get that. I'm just going to throw this out there and have a story to it. So I've read the book. I've got an autographed copy of the book that Ted DiBiase got, gave me personally. Um, you can get that at www.belltobellblaze.com slash tedbook. We now have the up there on our website, courtesy of the professor and his genius in marketing. Um, so, every man has a price. The true story of wrestling's million-dollar man. I have a copy of that because, one, I was in, like I said, WCW at the time uh, when he was there. And I went up there to EA Sports, and he was, <laughs> this is the funny part, I guess, he was the technical advisor on that, uh, that Bobby Eaton and myself, Lash LaRue, and, and uh, uh, Buddy Lee Parker were doing all the bumps for. And he showed up after about probably day 12 or 15, somewhere in there, and stayed like two days. I think he sat over at a desk, um, watched us do our stuff and said, well, I think you guys pretty much just got this under control. Because this shows how much they knew in WCW what was actually happening back in fucking Atlanta, you know. Mm -hmm. We got these guys up there in Canada, in Vancouver, and, uh, oh, we better send a technical advisor up there. Well, we already had a list of shit we were supposed to do, and we were doing our jobs, being professionals. Uh, the other thing about that was um, they were going to send a luchador up there and they sent Juan, um, can't think of Juan's last name, but he was like one of the biggest fucking luchadors, like a like a six two and, and and two fifty or something. He wasn't one of little, he wasn't one of smaller guys. It was just a guy on contract. I, I can't remember. He was he uh, his name was Juan because he he didn't have to wear his mask up there. Uh, he stayed like two days, and we're like we already pretty much got all luchador shit down because. Uh, you know, Lash can do them and Bobby can catch them, you know, or whatever. We had crash mats, so we had a stunt man that was like 130 pounds we could throw around, you know. But they didn't know shit was going on up there. So when Ted got there, he pretty much came and stayed two days and was technical advisor. And one night on the way back from recording, uh, doing a summer, the summer, the, uh, um, motion capture stuff DiBiase gets us in a back limbo and gives us all an autographed copy of his book and starts telling us a story and you know we're like well I hope you know we do stop at the liquor store on the way back to condos um, that's not a problem <laughs> no no it's not a problem so we did stop uh, you know not trying to be a smart ass but that was our routine and he didn't stop us you know it wasn't like oh you're going to go to hell or anything like that so that's cool I appreciate that you know what I'm yeah, saying yeah. Uh, but then he left for a couple days uh, but again he's kind enough to give me a book I did read it. Um, it very honest in it and that's his that's his you know uh, uh he talks about everything he done, how he about screwed everything up and got it all back together and this and that. It's, it's, it's a pretty damn good book. I'm not going to lie. Then we didn't see Ted again. Uh, and I don't know if he was supposed to be there the whole time or not, technical advising or so whatever. I know he was over with the office people in Vancouver that was film, uh, recording it uh, or shooting it or whatever. But uh, the next time we saw him was at the rap party. We went to a big, that real nice, uh, we went out on the river, Jeremy, and ate a uh, big fish house, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you've been to Vancouver. Cooper, so yes, you might even know the name yeah. of it because I can't remember the name of it. At the end of town, where the water's at, <laughs> you know, there was a fish house. There's probably more than one, but it was really nice. And Ted showed up for that, and you know, um, of course, we thanked him. Everyone's very professional and stuff, but that was that was our action and limited action with you know 
uh, DiBiase being up there. Very nice guy, very professional guy, very courteous. Uh, just saying, he just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he got credit for that. He was just there a couple of days because, you know, we're the ones doing all the bumps. And we had a, like I said, we had a list to do 600 fucking moves on, you know. Yeah. But, um, and he never yelled up there and said, hey, Bobby, do this. Or, hey, Lash, do that. He just sit over there and let us do our stuff, you know. Yeah. But um, anyway, go get the fucking book at belltobellblaze.com slash Ted book and read it for yourself, man. It's a pretty good story. Um I, I, I admire anyone that puts their heart out there into a book and, and puts their life out there and lets people, you know, see behind the curtain, so to say. Right. So, uh, I have anyway. Not, I have not read it. Uh, Teddy Biasi is actually one of those characters I probably don't know enough about, but I also, yeah. you know, not to not to run off, I'm sure we have, we have a lot of Southern listeners, so I'm sure we have many, many Christians who listen to the show, and it's not that I... I dislike or don't, you know, whatever. It's just no. when I hear somebody's gone into the ministry, I just tend to go like, oh, you know, because I was yeah. raised around Catholics and not Protestants, so that's already a little, like, I don't get yeah. it, you know. Yeah. So no, he was very cool in limo. I'll say he rode with us. He didn't ride over with us either day, but he rode home with us back to the condo both days because he was a million-dollar man, and he had to have his own condo or a condo limo one yeah, away, yeah. you know, one of those things. So and, that, and that's cool. You know, he had his own way there. Uh, that's per his arrangement. He wasn't, you know, part of the crew as far as what we were doing. We had a different time frame. But, you know, in the evenings back, uh, like I said, we – the first night, like, hey, you know, our our driver knew we stop at the liquor store, we get some beer, and Bobby's we go shower. What were the uh, what Every, were the candy bars you guys got? Yeah, he got the Wonder Bars. Wonder Bobby bars, got the Wonder it. Bars, yeah. And uh, um, everyone did their gimmick and, you know, showered, and then we'd meet down at the hotel, you know, restaurant. And, but anyway, so the second night, um, you know, he did present us off a book and his kindness and uh, – autographed it for us and shared his to share this testimony with us and it wasn't pushy and it you know and it was i don't feel there was any judgment when we said hey you know we're stopping the beer steer regardless you know mm-hmm. um we wouldn't be a smart ass about it either you know what i'm saying yep. if he had said well i'd rather you guys not do that we probably would have said okay we'll get back out later no worries you know yeah it yeah. was just easier we found out after a couple of days it's easier that away uh, than having to leave the hotel later in the evening, you know. Um, and that's what our driver did for us. But no, Ted was very, very professional, very courteous. Um, and I'm glad he wasn't pushing on that, pushy on that, you know, because that would have just rubbed everyone the wrong way, I think. Oh, yeah. Under well, the circumstances, you know. So. And then you got to be no, like, hey, hey, Ted, you're going to have to get your own your own limo tomorrow. And, yeah. And, you know, yeah. Next couple yeah. weeks. Like yeah, no, like I said, I don't know why in the mornings he had a different schedule, but he'd show up um, those two days. And um, and again, it could have been several other days that he was there, but I just know in the limo, on a ride home, he rode with us a couple of days in a row in the limo uh, while he was there. So, And sometimes your memory does slip. It's been a long time ago, oh, yeah. just so you know. In oh, case yeah. someone says, well... Bobby said he was there two days, and his wife was there 15. I don't think it was, but just saying I'm throwing two out there. It might have been three. Yeah, well, the human memory sucks. I mean, that's the yeah. that's really the thing. Okay. Uh, let's let's talk, go to number three. Yeah, as I said, let's talk about his legacy a little bit here real quick. He's yeah. got two sons that were in the business, Ted mm-hmm. Jr. and Mike DiBiase. Um, now, I missed all of, I guess, Ted, Randy Orton, and another third-generation wrestler. Were, oh, Cody. Were a team, yeah. but I missed all of that. Um, 
So I don't know how how much of a, a you know chip off the old block or apple falling from the tree Ted was. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's cool to see when somebody's you know third generation guys come in. Third generation. That's right. Yeah. Um, also the uh, the million dollar championship was brought out of ice. See, that's a diamond joke, Bobby. That's what I did there. <laughs> okay. Brought out of ice for a fella called the Ringmaster. Who would eventually mm. go on to be known as Chili McCool, or oh, or, that's right, I remember. Yeah, or Stone Cold Chili. is is the name oh. I actually went with. Yeah, okay, uh, gotcha. And so they made him T- Ted DiBiase's personal champion until Ted jumped and went to uh, manage the NWO for three months. Right. Um, Ted Junior would bring that back out of retirement again. L.A. Knight, the former Eli Drake has mm-hmm. recently was crowned uh, the million-dollar champion in NXT. Uh, he lost it to Cameron Grimes, but check this out, Bobby. It's an official title in NXT. It's not like... Oh, some, okay. It's not like some dopey third rung, like the the King, or, or it used to be. It is actually an official title. And now the WWF has legitimately enough titles that everybody in the company can be a champion. Okay. That's kind of like the fucking everyone plays. You get a fucking trophy whether you play it or not. The non-participation the fucking participation ribbon or whatever. trophy, yeah. Everybody yeah, there you go. gets a trophy. Now everyone gets a belt. Mm-hmm. Everybody Shit. gets a belt. Hey, that's okay because you know what? I, I have learned that in America, you can lose an election and still become president. So, <laughs> Okay. Uh-oh. Let's move on. Let's transition to behind the scene role here for number two. Uh, uh, I don't know if this is reason. The legacy, whether you like it or whether you don't, you love him or hate him. Again, we're for top ten reasons. You love or hate Ted DiBiase. We're down to the final two. Um, number two, Jeremy. He didn't transition well to behind the scene. Uh, behind behind the scene role. Tell me about it. Uh, so I found I found this quote, and I I thought this was interesting. So when the, you know, obviously they were trying not to use them on TV and they're trying to get them to do stuff yeah. in the office, this, that, and the other. Uh, this quote I found, he says, you know, that's not really me. I'm not Clint Eastwood. I'm not good on both sides of the camera. I'm good in front of it. And they wanted me to come back and at least try it. So I did it for about a year and a half. And I guess it took him that long to figure out I wasn't I was right. <laughs> well, see, he got a paycheck for a year and a half out of that gig, man. No, but I think it's so. it's, it's cool that he like no, knew like he just yeah. like, man, this this just isn't for me, you know. Like I'm yeah, I'm a good talker, I'm a good wrestler, I'm a good manager, but you know, yeah. c- cameraman, uh, pencil pusher, whatever other roles you want me yeah. holding. No. It's just not going to happen, guys. Yeah. See, and I would think just, yeah, if he was like an agent, I would see him being a good agent, I would think. You know, so obviously I'm not him. And he, like you said, he knows that's not his role. Mm -hmm. But I would think he would be because of the talent he had, you know, dating from early on his career all the way through the end of it. You know, it's just, he just, um, I would think he, he could give a good report on what those two did or that tag team did or what have you, you know, and also be able to deliver, hey, here's a finish. Uh, this is the finish we're using tonight, or you know, I, but apparently he knows himself and just didn't take well. Yeah, so, well, you know, um, I, I respect I, that if he says that, you know, yeah, you know, so do I. I think it's important to kind of like catch that about yourself, just like, yeah, I am in the wrong spot, you know, Bobby. Um, one of the things I've noticed, and, and you'll be able to comment more than me because I'm doing this obviously third hand, but I've noticed that everybody who seems to really excel behind the scenes 
writes down everything, like everything everybody said, how many how many dollars mm-hmm. came in that night, the size. Because look at JJ and uh, Corny. Mm-hmm. And those guys, I mean, they, they can literally now, they can go to their notebooks, go right to a year and a day and a show, pull it out, tell you every conversation that they heard any part of, uh, who was doing what, who went over, how big the crowd yes. was, what everybody's yeah. payoff, everything. So everybody yeah. that I've heard about that really excelled behind the scenes is a just copious note taker. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, you know, I said Jericho apparently wrote down all of his matches every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've got a couple of young people tell me they're, they're doing that. I know Dean Malenko used to keep a notebook and he had, um, he knew which town he'd done which finish in. That was, that was way before he got WCW. Now, I don't know how long he did that, but he was obviously very good behind the scenes and, yeah. and still is, you know. But, um, yeah, people, like you said, probably the best two examples though, would be uh, J.J. writing down everything fucking Dusty Rhodes, you know, was saying, and also knew the houses and knew the crowds the same as, as, as Jim Cornette. You know, that whole, man, you know. Oh, that date, 1986, and we, we, you know, we we had a draw against the horseman, and you know, we drew this amount of house, and you know, that was a time. Uh, oh, we was in a limo, you know, or something. Always something, you know. Them, they knew it. They 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 wrote it down. Yeah. So, um, that's 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 a good observation, professor. That's why you are the professor. So can't emphasize that enough. You're the 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 brains behind the machine that's known as Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. Um, before we jump into number one, because I know you got all these titles, I'm gonna give a quick plug out here real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got an appearance coming up for Bluegrass Wrestling Con that's gonna be taking place on November sixth in Ashland, Kentucky. Um, it's gonna be at the Highlands Museum. I'm telling you, wrestling fans, um, I think we're going to draw a huge house on this. Uh, big shout out to Time Warp. Earl, you're putting this together really, really well, my friend. Him and Joe from FTC Wrestling. Um, it's November 6th. It's $25 entry fee. And um, I'm just going to name a few names that'll, that'll be there signing autographs. I will personally be there. I'll have books. T-shirts, eight by tens, and also you can get a selfie made. And I'm sure everyone else will have many more gimmicks for sale down there. It's the first time ever they're going to try to do this and uh, really put this out there. Hopefully, in the next few years. Hope this is first of many they put together. They put it between Lexicon and between Wrestlecade. So if you can't make it to one of those events, Lexicon was last week. Wrestlecade will be coming up Thanksgiving. You got an option here to go November sixth uh, to beautiful downtown Ashland. And uh, you can see uh, Lex Luger, the Godfather. Um, I'm trying to see here. Say uh, Coco Beware, Billy Gunn. Trying to save a couple. Trying to save a couple. Gail Kim, Lex Luger, Magnum TA, and Stan the Man Hansen. No shit. Those Magnum, are all Magnum and Hansen, huh? 
Yes, they are going to be there. Uh, these are all confirmed through agents and also through Earl at the Time Warp. You can get your tickets right now at the Time Warp at the Ashland Town Center location. Um, tickets are on sale. You can all, If you don't have a purchase a ticket, ticket, they will send you an e-ticket. You can also buy those available at the data show. They'll scan your phone or what have you. However that shit works, Jeremy, you know what I'm saying? I do. But um, you, you, that stuff is all available. Well, now, um, it says uh, there'll be local wrestlers as well. Um, I know some up-and-coming stars, males and females, that'll be there uh, signing autographs, meet and greet kind of thing, and also helping each of the uh, the uh, wrestling stars that are coming from um, from out of town. They'll be helping their booths, uh, tables, and stuff. We're going to have two tables, Professor. Dig this. We've got two tables, um, the Bell to Bell Bobby Blaze table and the Bobby Blaze table. They're going to be sitting there, and the way they're going to be set up, we're hopefully going to pull this off. We're going to have uh, my gimmicks on one table where you come over, meet, greet, self, autograph, sign autograph, selfies, etc. We're going to have time Sometime during the day, um, we're going to have two computers set up, two headphones, two microphones, two turntables and a microphone, and Jeremy will be online out in California, and hopefully some of these people can come over, and I'm going to say, hey, Professor, I've got uh, Lex Luger here, and he's wanting to be on a bell-to-bell, or can, and you can interview him. Just say, well, oh, I'll put it over. Cool. Uh, we're hoping to do that for one of our podcasts. Uh, if all goes well, we're trying to coordinate that right now. I just spoke with Earl the other day. And uh, so we're going to either do it live or we're going to record it, and it'll be out like our normal podcast, man. And um, that's called Bluegrass Wrestling Con. Again, it's National Kentucky High Museum. I can't remember how big a space they got. It's going to be up on the fourth floor. If you go to the parking garage, you cross right over. Um, it's a huge space. So um, really looking forward to this event, man. So anyway, well, this, this come be, to that. This should be fun. I, you know, I used to do a lot of um, – I would record. I didn't do it live, but I used to do yeah, a lot of recording. That's probably what we'll have to do with this one. Unless something changed, we're probably recording. Yeah, I, so. I would assume so because it just trying to do a live feed is just. I mean, we could do it over YouTube or Facebook, but then we got yeah. uh, we got to jump through too many hoops. Yeah, um, yeah. But I used to love doing that because, like, a friend of mine, I have this one really gregarious, outgoing friend who would just get up and go to tables. Hey, what are you doing right now? Come come do an interview. I don't, I don't give a fuck who you are. Get on over here. And so him doing that, he brings over a guy one time, and <clears throat> it's this guy who's doing his own comics, but he's also got his own clothing line, but he's also got his own podcast, and he is the uh, lead songwriter, founder, and bassist for the band Tsunami Bomb, who was real big in the early 2000s in that uh, pop punk scene. So he and I have kind of been friends ever since then. It's just just a cool, cool. way to meet people and, and, and kind of organize. And then also, <clears throat> hopefully, if we land some of these interviews that we're hoping, or even just get a few minutes of, hey, come talk to us for a second. Yes. You know, it'll be something fun for our listeners, too, you know. We're hoping so. That's what our goal is. Um, okay, let's move on to number one. I'm going to let mm-hmm. you do this one. This is Ted DiBiase's titles. It's another reason just to love them, um, man. And there's just a ton of them. So I'll just let you go through them and you can highlight the ones you want and read the ones you want. And then we'll get out of here. Yep. And as usual, I don't grab them all. I just grab the ones that kind of catch my eye. Yes. Um, yes. In all Japan, he was the NWA United National Champion one time, the PWF World Tag Team Champion two times with Stan the Man Hansen. Nice. World Tag Team Champion once with Stan Hansen. 
and <laughs> World Strongest Tag Determination League with Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen. Yep. Uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. He was the NWA National Heavyweight Champion, NWA National Tag Team Champion with Stan Frazier and Steve Olsonowski. I'm going to fuck that name up. Um, Tri-State slash Mid-South. He was the Mid-South North American Heavyweight Champion four times. The Mid-South Tag Team Champion six times with Orndorff. Whew. Oh, hold on. Was it once with... Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. One time with... One, oh, gotcha. Yeah, once yeah. with Warndorf, yeah. One with Matt Bourne, one with Jerry Stubbs, one with Hercules Hernandez, and twice with Steve Williams. Boy, there's there's a handful of tag teams, but how about a DiBiase Steve Williams tag team? Man, that's talented right yeah. there, man. Uh, NWA North American Heavyweight Champion, the Tri-State version one time. NWA United States Tag Team Champion one time with Dirty Dick Murdoch. Yes. All uh, right. And of course, he was the WWWF's one and one or one or two uh, North American champions, million dollar champion. Yeah. I believe he is the second shortest world champion reign in the WWF, but they don't always get counted because mm. um, it's whether or not he could, you know, legally be called world champion by that by the way of purchase. Um, right. But Ted DiBiase, a guy I definitely need to learn more about. I know he's got a lot, a lot of really devoted fans out there. Yes. Um, he seems to be very, very active still to this day, not just within the, the uh, church community, but within the wrestling community as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby, you've met the guy. You, you seem to like him pretty well. He didn't yeah, try. Very likable guy. Yeah, didn't try stealing money from any little kids when you met him, right? No, no. Unless and I'd dribble that basketball. I'd dribble circle around all them. Not a dribble circle around. <laughs> I ain't kicking my basketball. I could. I had a game at one day. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. They uh, used to call Bobby Basketball Jones back in high school. That's right, man. He was always. I used to sleep home. I slept with that basketball. No wonder I couldn't sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the second Cheech and Chong joke we got in there. If you didn't catch the Eureka, my earlier wrestling fans. Uh, huh? <laughs> Damn, what we been listening to this week? I don't even know. Don't even uh, know. Jeremy, I got one thing else I want to plug real quickly, man. Uh, my man Sparks out there at Sparks Third Coast. Uh, it's. Um, 10-minute time limit. I've got some T-shirts there that has the character picture that's just dropping, long sleeves for the uh, uh, for the fall. And I've also got some uh, uh, Bobby the Kingslayer Blaze T-shirt to commemorate the uh, me beating Jerry the King Lawler. You can get those at tinyurl.com slash blaze shirts. I just want to put that out there because it does offer a couple shirts that aren't available over on a bell-to-bell uh, blaze.com site. So, uh, which we'll be moving some of those shirts back and forth. It just depends on how things go, but I did want to put that out there. I do have a couple different shirts and I have to say they look really nice. I'm very happy with the quality of the t-shirts I've gotten. And again, I did get my pin me, pay me shirt from our site. I mean, where else would I buy it? Right. But exactly. um, I was very pleased with that too. I worked to the gym on Friday. Um, very happy with that shirt. So, oh, that's um, nice. I had a couple people tell me they purchased the uh, Buttersoft. Um, I don't think I did pay the additional money for the money the buddy Buttersoft shirt. Is that like, is that but like a Butterface? Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the shirt I received was very, very soft. Is what I was getting at. Um, yeah. 
So no, no butter faces. Uh, it was a butter shirt, butter soft shirt. I don't know. Butter shirt, shirt, shirt. Uh, yeah. Anyway, give that a, uh, go over there and visit the site and get a damn t-shirt just, or something. Just go to the site, would you people? Yeah. Go to, go to the site. Do yourself a favor. Buy yourself a Bobby, the Kingslayer blaze shirt or get one that has my character on it. Um, and then also get the other site and get the damn bell to bell, uh, pin to me, pay me t-shirt or orange favorite enhancement talent or Gary Hart will cut a bitch and don't say it out loud at a restaurant or people will look at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I did pop for that. I flashed my phone around and showed someone. Although they, they kind of popped, they was more concerned about, you realize you just yelled out bitch in this restaurant, don't you? But they just got more quiet than that. They, they just kind of said like, uh, you know, you know, like look around and people's looking at you over saying bitch, and that's not the place to say bitch at. Nope, you save that for church, right, Bobby? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. <laughs> oh, man, you know, um, my my aunt and my grandmother wouldn't sit next to me in church. They were afraid of lightning bolts coming through the stained glass windows. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, oh, that, that made the midnight mass before Christmas real hard to get through. Really <laughs> awkward. Yeah, I got yeah. everybody looking at me like if something goes wrong, we know it's you, you fucking heathen. Man, and I have been to some midnight masses on Christmas Eve and stuff, man, just so you know. Um, I mean, it doesn't make me a better or worse person for it. It was just, um, um, I was glad I went. I was so, glad I went, man. You know, I'm getting ready to take a trip next spring, and it turns out that I'm going to be in Greece during Orthodox Easter. Okay. So I, I may very well go to Mass while I'm there just so, because, you know, uh, amongst the Eastern Orthodox, they celebrate Easter like we do Christmas. Man, you should. You're going to be there, you know. Yeah. So um, that's um, that's, that's a unique experience. That's what I was thinking because, like, I was like, I saw a lot of people were talking about canceling their trips. I'm like, no way. I want to. I want to see what this is like. You know. Yeah, yeah. You should do that, man. Yeah, you should do that. Well, Bobby, man, we need to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been here for a while now. Um, yeah, had fun this episode. I think we're gonna we're probably gonna do a few more biographies here coming up unless we get land some guests that we really want to get to. Um, yeah. But before we go, I know that you've been pitching uh pretty hard to get some people over on our friend ron fuller take a shot's so, uh youtube page you want to yes i'd like to plug that man yeah. if you haven't watched uh <clears throat> go to southeastern rewind man that's a hell of a youtube channel the last couple fridays i'm telling you i went back to 1978 1988 um i didn't this friday um watch anything except for promos and also i went back and did a double take uh, the second watch of the uh, Terry Gordy and Michael Hayes inside of a steel cage, man. But it is yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I was, I was, the court, the one I'm looking, the one I'm looking at was actually the uh, the one where Hayes and Gordy fight inside a cage. Um, but uh, anyway, that's, that's they're called sweet one. spots. That what it was. Southeastern to call southeastern southeastern sweet spots. And he's just going to do them or like eight minute, little eight, 10 minute segments of a sweet spot. Instead of watching the full podcast uh, show, you can see just a spot on there. And that was the match that week. So anyway, um, good channel to go to. Please visit our good friend. Get ready to take a shot. Um, go to Ron Fuller's page, the Studcast, the Studcast archives, uh, the Tennessee Stud is Southeastern Rewind. Go sign up and subscribe and tell them I sent you without stumbling over my words. Daggone it. Sorry about my computer. That was my fault. I was going up and down, up and down, and up and down, and it was going wrong. Yeah, I know. That's why I hardly ever look anything up during a program because I end up doing that. 
No, no, so anyway, quite... I'm out of here, Jeremy. Peace out. Close us out, brother, please. All right. Well, with that all said. Jesus. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's hey, you know what? Sometimes we run long. That's it's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, with that all being said, for the irreplaceable text Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B Bobby Blaze. Uh shit, I can't remember how I sign off. Well, well, we'll see you around, guys. Yeah. <laughs>